Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, my friend? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab Podcast. I hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a great day. We are on episode 126, episode 126. We've got a great guest for you today. We actually have a student of Booked and Paid to Speak. This is kind of our premium flagship training program that teaches you all about how exactly how to find paid speaking engagement. So we walk you through a training system on how to actually do that. We give you the email scripts that you need. We give you our speaker contract. We help you know how to create and deliver your presentation, everything you possibly need in order to be successful and to find and book speaking engagements. We hook you up with that within Booked and Paid to Speak. So uh, we have a student who's uh, been just massively successful. He's going to share some of his story and journey in just a couple minutes. Before we get to that, if you'd like to learn more about Booked and Paid to Speak, and even if you're not interested in that, you're like, oh, I'm interested in just dipping my toe in it, then uh, I would definitely recommend you check out freespeakerworkshop.com. Freespeakerworkshop.com is a weekly free live training that we do teaching all about how to find and book paid speaking engagements. So definitely check that out again over at freespeakerworkshop.com. So Today, we're talking with Eric Reem. Eric Reem. Eric joined Booked and Paid to Speak in December 2015. So uh, depending on the time when you listen to this, a little over a year ago or so. And in that time, actually 15 months or so since joining Booked and Paid to Speak, he's actually earned over $80,000 in speaking gigs. So really, really cool success story here. We talk about how he landed on what he should speak about, who he should speak to. We talk about one of the biggest differentiating factors for him as a speaker. We talked about the importance of having a good website and a demo video, and then also how he gets referrals from clients. So I know sometimes whenever you hear speakers on the podcast, sometimes it's speakers that have been you know at it for 20, 30 years and you're like, that just seems like light years away. But I mean, here's a guy who just like many of you, he started just recently. He's been at this for a little while and has uh, figured out a few things along the way and has really taken action. And again, $80,000 in speaking fees in uh, just over a year really speaks for itself. So let's get right into it. Here's my conversation with Booked and Paid to Speak student, Eric Reem. Enjoy. What's up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab Podcast. Hey, today I'm joined by my buddy Eric Reem. Eric is a member in Booked and Paid to Speak. He joined, uh, what, about two years ago? Less That's than two 2015. years ago. Two and a half. Okay, all right. So what would that be? A little over a year ago then. Man, dude, you're killing it. So here's why I wanted to have Eric on. And so he joined Booked and Paid to Speak, kind of our premium flagship training program. Uh, a little over a year ago at the time of this recording, and he is killing it, just absolutely killing it, and was one of those guys that had been intrigued by speaking and really just put into practice a lot of what we teach, and it just had some serious success, and I'm incredibly, incredibly proud of him and, and the, the impact it's, that putting this into practice has made for him and for his family. We were just talking a second ago offline, and he's like, I'm just pinching myself. It's just surreal. So Eric, how are you, man? 
Outstanding, Grant. It's an honor to be with you. Thank you. Thanks for hanging out with us. All right, so let's begin with the end in mind and kind of work our way backwards. So today, at this point, we are early 2017. Kind of walk us through what does the year look like for you in terms of your speaking business? Oh, man, it's crazy right now. Uh, There's a lot of stuff going on. And I'm at a point right now where I'm actually uh, having to choose between great opportunities or good opportunities. Yeah. And literally turned away a couple of speaking gigs a couple of days ago because I just couldn't do them. Yeah. And so what my speaking business looks right now is I have 34 booked gigs right now in 2017. Wow. Uh, if I do nothing else this year and I just did those gigs, I'm going to bring in about $58,000. So my goal grant was to reach 70,000. And so in February, I've already got $58,000 booked. So I think I'm going to blow that $70,000 goal out of the water. That's crazy. Since I joined Book and Pay to Speak, and you and I had that 15-minute Skype call, and you kind of put me on the right track, I've closed out 27 speaking gigs. Seven of them I lost, meaning that they didn't. They chose not to work with me, and that was $23,750 in gigs. But I won 20. And that was from 2015. So that equated to $85,500 in speaking gigs. That's awesome, man. Things are going great. That's so cool. That's so cool. So for context sake, I know you mentioned that you joined Booked and Paid to Speak in December 2015. At that point when you joined, had you been doing any speaking already? What was life like at that point? Life was actually pretty good. I mean, I had some things going. My goal going into 2016 when I went in December I was thinking if I could just do 20 speaking gigs in 2016 and I didn't care if they were paid or if they were free I just wanted to get in the momentum of speaking sure so at the end of 2015 when I ran into you which I just kind of advice it was just basically serendipitous I didn't have any plan I just saw a webinar you're doing I jumped on it so in December of 2015 I made $8,600 in my speaking business. So that's where I was okay. going into 2016. So 8000 whenever you attended the webinar. And that was cumulative total over the course of what, a year or two? That was just that year, 2015. Okay. Yep. So you've done a handful of gigs, made 8000 up until that point, joined the course. And really, like I, I know that the course has helped, but I would fully credit you in that you are really getting after it. You're really hustling and really taking action. So you're really just killing it. So what I want to dig into is kind of that transition period there of, all right, so you attend the webinar, you join Booked and Paid to Speak. What happens from there? Because sometimes it can feel really, really overwhelming because I know we're throwing a lot at you within the webinar and within the course. Uh, where do you go from there and how do you start to figure out what to do next? Well, what happened was, is I was doing a lot with my speaking business. I had a lot of activity, but I don't think I was doing the right things. And so what you did is you were a catalyst really to help me kind of streamline my thinking. So there were really a couple of things I took away from book and paid to speak that really took me to the next level. So I would say that I was, I had built a foundation, but I hadn't figured out how to take it from A to B yet. And I hadn't had that resource. And so you were that resource. And so the biggest thing I took away is that I needed a system Mm -hmm. and I needed to use emails, my system. And so that whole email uh, tree list that you had, Mm -hmm. I just started using that. And I'm just the kind of guy that says, Hey, if there's a guy that says I need to do this and he's sharp, I just do it. I don't overthink it. Yeah. You know? And I just did what you said to do. So I started emailing these folks and people started actually getting back with me. And I said, okay, let me see what Grant says to do next. (laughs) And then I'll do it. And if I wasn't sure what to do, I just email you and say, Grant, what do I do here? I don't, I'm not sure what to do. And you would just tell me. Yeah. So I would just do, I just went step by step. But the biggest thing that I think that I took away that I wasn't doing was the whole idea of agreements and contracts. Mm-hmm. I never even thought about that. 
and also doing a contract where you just had an overall price and it just included expenses because that really bogged things down. And so I found that I started to streamline my contact and how I was working with them and just doing these contracts. And it was amazing to me when someone said, okay, we'll go ahead and sign that contract. And they actually signed it and they sent the deposit. It blew my mind to see that. I haven't even done any work for them yet. So those are really the biggest things. And the other thing that I took away, and that's the main thing I think I learned from book and paid to speak is don't try to consume all of it. Pick the stuff that works for you. It's like a grocery cart, right? Sure. Going down an aisle. Take the stuff off the shelf that works. Leave the other stuff that doesn't. So that was the last thing I took from you was, is you said, Eric, you need a demo reel. You don't have one mm-hmm. um, or not a good enough one. And so I took that and I just ran with it and just took it from there. Nice. So you mentioned uh, in 2015, you had done up to about $8,000 worth of events. What types of events were you doing? What were you speaking on? Who were you speaking to? Give us kind of the synopsis of that. Okay. Well, I think if you don't mind, I should go back and lead up to where it brought me yeah, to. Yeah, totally. Kind of the journey. What happened to me was kind of a significant event was in 2009 when I left. I was in the utility business. Okay. I was working municipal utilities. And I decided that I wasn't a nine to five office guy, that I needed to kind of be at home and working. I wanted to get out and travel. So I signed on with a software company that sold to utility businesses. And so now I got to work from home. I got to travel. Well, in 2010, what happened, Grant, was I was at these conferences. And at these conferences, for those that go to conferences, you know there's like an area where vendors set up their booths. And I was a vendor. Yeah. So I'm sitting there with all these other vendors. I'm looking around, and everybody else is in the other room listening to a speaker. And I'm sitting with these vendors, and they're twiddling their thumbs. They're emailing people. They're, I'm like, there's got to be a better way. How can I separate myself from all these other vendors? How can I separate myself from the masses? Yeah. I said, I need to be the guy on that stage speaking because you become a mini celebrity at these totally. events. yep. So I knew if I can get up and speak, I knew then folks would want to come to my booth. So I just went to an event planner and said, hey, I can do a breakout session. And nobody really bought into it because I'm a vendor. Like, we don't want this to turn into some kind of commercial. Well, lo and behold, one event planner finally took me up on it. And I did it for him. And then another person said, well, can you come speak at ours? And I, I, I did it for him. And then people started coming to my booth. I started increasing my sales because I was adding value. Then I realized I kind of like the speaking thing, mm-hmm. right? So in 2013, a couple key things happened, okay? Number one, I started a blog. The reason why that was important for me, Grant, is it helped me find my voice because I think that's the main thing for speakers is you got to find your voice. So by just writing and and putting out a blog, I only had about 2,000 people coming and looking at my blog in 2013, but I was starting to find my voice. And now I got about eight eight to 9,000 people that come to my blog. I know that's not a lot, but for a small-time speaker like me, it's a lot for me to kind of figure out who likes what, what material they like, and I can turn that into talks. But a couple key things happened in 2013, Grant. The first thing was is right after lunch, I take a nap every day. That's the beauty of working at home. Yeah. I don't know if you take a nap. You look great. You look well-rested. So <laughs> I worked out this morning, so I'm, I'm feeling all right, but it may go downhill from here. <laughs> So I was taking a nap and I get a call from this guy and I got slobber all over my face. I'm kind of groggy. And he says, uh, Hey, I heard you speak. We're out here in South Dakota. Would you want to come speak at our event? I don't even remember what I told him, but he liked what I said. And he said, how much do you charge? No one ever asked me that. I've never been trained on how to answer that. And I just said a thousand dollars. And he goes, sounds good. So they flew me out there. They had a driver pick me up. They took me to a hotel. They had golf clubs waiting for me, rented golf clubs so I could play golf with them, Callaway golf clubs. They made breakfast for me. They treated me like this king. I'm like, man, this thing's pretty cool. I'm I like used it. to this. <laughs> yeah, this is awesome, right? So I did that. 
And then I was at another event where I was just doing like I normally do, just speaking because I wanted people to come to my booth. And I had a guy there I knew, someone I really respected. And he asked me a question that no one ever asked me before. He said, hey, that was a pretty good talk. When are you going to start doing this full time? I said, what do you mean? He goes, when are you going to be a full time speaker? I never even considered it because I thought speakers were Navy SEALs, celebrities. Right. You know, and I thought you had to be the rock or something to be a speaker, you know, and I didn't think people actually would pay me just this regular guy full time to do this. Right. So that planted the seed that, you know, maybe I need to think about this. So in 2014, two key things happened. Number one, an association, a national association out of D.C. contacted me and said, there's this book that we've had written since 2012. We know that you kind of do these kind of things because the word was getting out that I speak on a certain area. And they said, would you be willing to look at this? And I looked at it and they already hired a guy to rewrite the book grant. I looked at it. I wrote him back and said, guys, this book is subpar. I would not publish this book. And they said, what do you recommend? I said, I would rewrite the whole thing. And this is what I would do. And they hired me to rewrite this book. They put the other guy's name on it because they already paid him. So he got co-authorship on it. But I wrote this book and now I became the subject matter expert on this book. And they, it was their information. It wasn't my book. It was their information. But now people wanted me to come do workshops. People wanted me to now do certification courses. People wanted me to do webinars. So it really kind of opened up. The next thing I did that was key was you've heard of the launch conference. I think Michael Hyatt Ken Davis. I didn't know you at the time. I don't know if you were doing your stuff back in 2014. But I went to this launch conference and for the, I told my wife, I said, I really think we should look at this. And this was a big deal for me, Grant, because we didn't have the money to just to spend for me to travel to Florida sure. to do this conference. So I went to this launch conference and for the first time, sat around with other people that were wanting to be speakers and really looked at what it takes to run a speaking business. And so I learned four things in 2014 in that conference. I learned that I need to, my market was my market. Okay. I tried to run away from the utility market. I thought, well, I need to go find some other market when the utility market is my market. Why not speak at utility conferences? I learned that. The other thing I learned was I needed to turn my strengths into products. I also learned how to approach how you actually charge folks. They taught me that. And then the key thing Michael Hyatt said was you got to have a speaker page. Mm -hmm. So at that point, I just had a blog. I didn't have a speaker page. So mm -hmm. I started my speaker page. And at the end of 2014, I made 5,000 bucks yeah. on my speaking business. 2015 was key. 2015, I had this guy in Florida say, we'd like you to come do a keynote for us. This was my first paid keynote. He was going to pay me $1,500 to go to Florida, right? Yeah. But he rode me hard, Grant. I mean, I don't think he truly believed me in me. I'm not sure if he was nervous about me going on the main stage. And he was micromanaging me to the max. It got to the point where I was about to say, dude, why don't you just do it? Because it's not even worth it. Yeah. So I went to that event. I went right before the main keynote. They paid him 10 grand. They paid me $1,500. I knocked it out of the park, man. I just was in my sweet spot at that point. I just yeah. did a great job. After the conference, they did a survey. They rated me the number one speaker, even higher than the guy that made 10 grand, right? Mm -hmm. I think that event planner felt bad and he came back to me and said, hey, you should charge $3,000 for your thing. I was like, well, you're going to pay me the extra $1,500? <laughs> so, but he goes, what I want to do for you is I want to introduce you to my other event planner friends. And he gave me a list of 80 people. Oh, with dang. their contact information. And he emailed them ahead of time and said, this guy's fantastic. You need to listen to him. Wow. And the other thing I did was I became friends with the other keynote, the guy that made yep. 10,000. And I said, would you look at my website and tell me what you think? And he called me up and he said, dude, you need to change your entire website. Nobody knows what you are. You need to make it very clear. You're a speaker. This is what you do. So that planted that seed. I needed to do that. So then everything came to fruition when I met you. 
at this point, everything led up to I met you. I had all the stuff in play. And then you kind of took me over the edge and said, Eric, you need a demo video. And then I learned I needed a website. And then I learned I needed, I needed a logo. And I just started putting all this together. So I went from 2009 doing this stuff for free. 2013, I made $1,000. 2014, I made $5,000. 2015, I made $8,000. Last year, I just, I'm doing my taxes right now. And I made just under $36,000. And right now I'm probably going to bust past $70,000. So that's kind of where it led up to all that. That's crazy, man. And well, there's several things that you said there that I want to touch on. One is it's such a good reminder that this is a long-term game, right? So the idea of I wake up one day and I want to be a speaker. That's how I did that one time. That could be fun. And just thinking it's going to magically happen. Like definitely speaking is there's a lot of momentum that goes into it. And it seems like you're really hitting your stride right now where getting gigs gets easier, getting your name out there gets easier. You feel more confident in what you're doing. And so sometimes you said it sounded like in those early years, it's a lot of kind of guessing and just throwing some stuff against the wall and seeing what works. And yeah, that works for a little while, but it's really hard to do on a long-term basis. So were there points there, especially, I mean, you said, you know, if you're dabbling 2009 to 2014, 2015 or so, are there points where you're just like, what am I doing? Like, is this worth it? Why am I doing this? I want to go to this conference. It's going to cost a lot, or I want to invest in the course. It costs a lot. Like, why didn't you give up prior to that? I actually never ran into that, actually. that I've never struggled from that because, number one, I was in a unique position because I was being paid to go to these conferences anyway. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of unique. And real uh, quick, let me just, a uh, quick question. When you were going to those conferences already, were you going on your own as like part of your own business or were you working for a company at that time? I was working for the sales company. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So they were sending me these conferences to sell. And so when I was going there, I'm like, I'm going to go ahead and speak while I'm here. And what was interesting, and this is actually kind of unique because in 2015, I was approached by two different companies to leave my company. A company up in Canada wanted me to handle, handle all their national sales and a company in Memphis actually wanted me to be the CEO of their company. And I could have made $350,000 a year as a CEO, but I was going to have to fly back and forth to Memphis. And that, I have young kids like you, right? I have yeah. young kids. I didn't like that. So my boss, my current company, he did something that was pretty unusual and outstanding. He came to me and said, listen, I can't pay you what these other companies are going to pay you. Because Eric, I know you're a communicator and I know you like to speak. And when you get on stage, that helps us. I'm willing to pay you what we pay you now, but I'm also willing to allow you to pursue this speaking. Just do your job. And so he allowed me to do that. So that was an intangible that I realized wow, I need to go on this. But there are times when I got frustrated, mainly because when people maybe don't believe in my talk or they start to micromanage and stuff like that, but I never got to a point, well, this isn't worth it. I don't think I can do it because I just knew in my heart that I was doing something I was passionate about. And I would tell you, that's probably the biggest thing I've learned is that in order to be a speaker so far, what I've learned is you have to love the process. You have to love it. In fact, I enjoy sitting down and getting people to say yes to my speaking gigs, getting people to say, yes, I want to do this, creating new content. I actually enjoy it more than I do on stage. I enjoy being on stage, but I love the grind. Yeah. So I would say if you find yourself being frustrated and you find yourself, man, is this worth it? To ask yourself, do you really love it? Because if you don't love the grind, this is probably 90% of the business is the grind. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you said that. I always told people that, that I almost liked getting the gig more than doing the gig. You know, yeah. like I like the chase, the hustle of it and then getting it. 
And then like, and then doing the actual, like given the presentation, just kind of icing on the cake. So I totally, totally resonate with that. So uh, one of the things that you mentioned before was you were in the utilities business, you were doing some selling there. So you started kind of dabbling and speaking with that. And then you knew that, okay, if I'm going to be a speaker, you're kind of looking outside of that. As you were kind of browsing around the landscape of who am I going to speak to and what am I going to speak about? Kind of talk us through that process there. You mentioned the blog was a factor as well of just kind of working out some content. And then ultimately you decided like, the grass is not necessarily greener on the other side. Like I already understand this utilities market. So let's stay here. Kind of talk us through that of how you landed on who you're going to speak to and what you're going to speak about. And that's a fantastic question because I think that's the million dollar question, isn't it? For most speakers. Totally. And so what I did is as I started writing my blog, what I found was that most people resonated and I really enjoyed talking about human dynamics. Before my utility career, I used to be a special investigator, military policeman in Bosnia, Herzegovina in Europe. Oh, dang. Um, And so I was always fascinated by human dynamics, why people do what they do, why people commit crimes, logical people that would normally be logical. Why would they get to a point where they commit crimes? And so it always fascinated me. So what I found was, is that when I wrote on human dynamics and mastering human dynamics, and I also discovered that everybody wants to reach some level of significance in their life. And if you can help people figure that out and help people get to that point, there's a lot of value in that. And you can do that in any industry because everybody struggles with human dynamics. Everybody struggles with conflict and communication. So what happened was, is I I looked at my blog as kind of like my workbench. Mm -hmm. I would lay things out and I would start to work on things. And then I got to see what people liked and what resonated. And I got to feel like, wow, this really brings something out inside when I wrote this article. I really like this. I would love to speak more on this and communicate more on this. So what it came down to is I came on this and Michael Hyatt actually walked me through this process where I came up with this sentence where after three years of writing my blog, I discovered that I want to help busy professional men and women rediscover their passion and calling. That's number one. So they can redefine their purpose and then develop the courage to take action. Now that's the basis of everything I do. And I kind of build everything around that. So what happened was, is I just said, I could do this in the utility industry, but then here's where the serendipitous stuff starts to happen. Because what I find, Grant, is if you just go out there and you start to provide good content and you just be the best you can be, opportunities start to come your way, mm-hmm. right? And so I don't know where this guy from Arkansas writes me. So I've been reading your blog. I love it. I believe in you. I believe in your message. I want to introduce you to this industry, which he was in the banking industry, <laughs> So he introduced me to his friends in Texas. I did the Texas Bankers Association, which led to the Tennessee Bankers Association, which led to this national conference in Louisville, which led to in three weeks, I'm heading out to Pinehurst, North Carolina to talk to this trust advisory group, all because one guy read my blog post and liked it. And so now that's really what happened was, is I, I think you find a beachhead, you find one area that you could focus in on and then add value there. And then it kind of grows from there. So for me, it was the utility industry and it just starts to grow from there. So that's kind of how I approach it. Is that, is that clear enough? Yeah, no, I find, I find a lot of people who they come from a certain industry. So like in your case, okay, I've got experience in the utilities industry. I don't know that I want to do this forever and ever. It's something that I've already been doing and I'm kind of tired of. And again, the grass looks greener over there. So I find that a lot of speakers I talk to, they really kind of almost overanalyze that whatever I decide today, if I decide to be a utility speaker today, that's what I have to do forever and ever and ever. Whereas like in your case and in most speakers case, I find that you start with something just to kind of gain some traction. Like you said, that beachhead, but then it may evolve and kind of almost take on a 
life of its own. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be this utility speaker forever and ever. It may mean that in a couple of years, I'm doing nothing with utilities and something totally unrelated, but that's kind of what it evolved into. So did you feel like by speaking in the utilities industry early on that you were going to be pigeonholing yourself there? Or what was your thought there? Yeah, in the beginning, that's what I thought. I thought, hey, man, am I going to be stuck in the utility industry, which is not a bad thing. It's just I probably had the mistake that I think most speakers make is that I needed to be broader. Mm-hmm. And I found that the more niche and more narrow you get, the actually bigger the op- the more opportunities come your way, actually. Yep. And so then what I realized was I'm not a guy that speaks the utility industry. I'm a guy that speaks on human dynamics that happens to use the utility industry as my platform. And that human dynamic spreads across other other associations. And now I'm starting to find that eventually I'm going to grow, I'm going to grow, I'm going to expand. But right now, the utility industry is going to bring me over $70,000 this year. Yeah. You know, that's not bad. That's good seat money that's going to lead me to other things. So I've kind of given up on that. I'm really at peace with that. As long as they're humans and they're willing to gather and they're willing to be inspired and motivated and learn, there's always going to be a place for me. And right now, it just happens to be the utility industry. Got it. I like it. One of the other things that you've kind of touched on is that you would go speak somewhere and then someone who saw you or the decision maker, the client there, the event planner would recommend you to someone else. And a lot of that just comes back to you being good on stage and good to work with and having good systems in place. So how about like if you're great at booking the gig, but you suck on stage or you're just a pain in the butt to work with, it's really hard to build a business that way. So how much of just being a good speaker, being good on stage and being good off stage, do you think has made an impact in your business today? Uh, it's unbelievable. I can't tell you. What I found is, I've only been doing this for a little while, Grant, but I, what I found is, is that it's not hard to separate yourself from other speakers. And it's the little the things. The bar is somewhat low, surprisingly. It is. It's actually very low of what I found because I hear these horror stories. In fact, I've sat on some committees and some of the things that speakers have done, I'm like, man, I, I can't believe they even get speaking to this way. Right? So you actually hit on it. I was going to tell you the four things I learned. You would just mentioned all of them. The first one, and I think it's in this order, actually. The first one is you have to be focused and organized. Mm-hmm. Because I'm focused and organized, that allows me to kind of stay in front of folks that are event planners. And I, I come from a sales background, so I get it. It's all about timing. So when people reject you, most of the time, it's just bad timing. So I was just focused and organized. The other is you got to be easy to work with, like you mentioned. And I just try to make it so easy that they're like, wow, man, it's refreshing, you know, yep. to work with Grant or to work with Eric. I mean, it just makes it so easy. That was the other. And the next one is you got to be good. If you're not good, then it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And here's what I think is if you're good, people are going to want to hire you. They're going to figure out how to get you on their stage. I've got this group in Texas. I just told you about that before we came on the podcast. Literally, we just agreed in principle for uh, 6000 bucks for me to come in. And they just keep saying, hey, we want you to come here. We want you to come here. We're going to create opportunities for you because we want you in front of our group. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that I'm like this fantastic guy or anything. I'm just saying that I'm organized. I'm easy to work with. And I go on stage and I just light myself on fire and give them everything I can possibly give. Some people like it. Some people don't. And that's okay. The people that like it. And this is something that Michael Hyatt taught me, actually. I remember him saying that you can build a fantastic business off small wins, right? Mm -hmm. Off base hits. You don't have to hit home runs. And so I'm I'm getting a lot of these little base hits that are adding up. And so, yeah, so I think that that's key. Good Being a good speaker and being easy to work with is definitely key. Yeah, you're totally right that the bar for whatever reason is fairly low and that you have like unorganized sloppy 
speakers that just drop the ball on little things. And I always try to remind speakers that when you go speak at a conference or an event, that the speaker is one small part of a lot of moving pieces that an event planner is dealing with. So the more low maintenance you can be, the better you make their life. And it means, like I always say this like in a joking way, but like you could be mediocre on stage, but if you're amazing to work with offstage, like that speaks volumes to the client and they want to work with you versus the opposite of this amazing speaker, but they are just a pain in the butt and they're sloppy and they drop the ball. And organizers and event planners, they don't want to work with those speakers, even if they are good on stage. But if they're just sloppy and a pain in the butt, then it makes it really difficult for them to want to do business together. That is so true. That's why I put down being a good speaker is number three on the priority list. Yeah. Got right. the other two covered, then it doesn't matter. I'm curious how you've made the transition. You mentioned you're full-time now, self-employed. And so, but at the time when you first started, like anybody, you had a job, you had a full-time corporate gig going. Uh, And so to go from, I've got a steady, secure, safe, quote unquote, paycheck that's coming in. I have dependents who need me to provide food and shelter for them. And I want to chase this dream and I'm getting a little traction. Kind of talk us through how did you make that transition from full-time corporate life into full-time self-employed speaking life? Well, I'm actually still in that transition. Okay. It's stressing me out. This is probably the hardest thing right now I have to deal with, but it's a good thing. Um, Again, I remember at the launch conference, I went up to uh, maybe Ken David or maybe Michael Hyatt. And I said, how do you know when's the right time to leave? Mm -hmm. And Michael said, it's like being on a pier, having one foot on the pier and one foot on a boat and the boat's going slowly away from the pier and you have to make a decision. I'm probably getting close to that point. You're doing the splits right now. Oh yeah. So what (laughs) happened was a couple things. I went to my wife and said, listen, would you mind leaving your job? Because I'm going to be traveling a lot. We got young kids. And she's like, hallelujah, amen. Brother, you go out there and kill something and bring it home for the family. And so that was one. My wife came home and she's a full-time mom now. And so that really helps out a lot. But uh, the big thing is I've got three kids, 13-year-old, two 11-year-old twin boys. They're involved in everything. They got to go to college and all this and that insurance and stuff. And I got a really good gig right now with my the company I'm working with. So I'm in a unique situation where my company, they don't care what I do as long as I perform. In fact, they just gave me a pay raise, two pay raises last year. My company did. Oh, that's awesome. On top of me speaking, but it's getting to the point right now where I'm spending more and more time on my speaking gig than I am this. So here's what I've come up with is that there's probably going to be three things I'm going to have to do. Number one is I got to get debt free. So I got to get really good at that. I got one more bill to pay. Once I get debt free, that's a threshold. Yeah. Number two is I need to have six months of emergency funds in my bank account. That's number two. And number three, I think I'm, I'm probably going to have to make probably $150,000 plus on my speaking gigs, knowing that I got that income that I can count on, knowing I can go back to these conferences and I got good relationships. I think if I get those three things set up, then I can pull away. But I would tell you that there is no... F- I don't think there's any formula. I think it all depends on everybody's situation. John Acuff, he's in your area there, right? He used to have to speak on the weekends, right? He couldn't even speak on the weekdays. So I think it all depends. But the bottom line is, I think just get to the point where your speaking business forces you to get in this awkward situation and then you could take it from there. (laughs) Right. No, it's true though. that It's difficult because you kind of, you do reach that crossroads where I'm using up all my vacation time and I'm gone and I'm on the border of still doing a good job. And so, you know, managing expectations with my paycheck, but at the same time, I've got this thing that's taking off and I'm just trying to hang on for the ride. So I think you're definitely right that there is uh, you reach that threshold and it's very difficult, stressful thing. Cause as you're finding out, like speaking can be very cyclical, meaning that there are months where you're just like, 
I am booked constantly. Like it, I am just killing it right now. And then there's months where there's just nothing happening. And so you kind of go through these feasts and famines. And so part of it is just learning to balance that and kind of ride that out. So to put a bow on everything here and to kind of wrap up for someone that may be listening right now that's going, okay, I'm on the fence. You know, one of the things, the line that I like to use a lot is, is I have the potential. I need the plan. I feel like I can do this. I've done a few things. Maybe I've been paid. Maybe I haven't been paid, but I feel like I could be a speaker. And I'm just like, overwhelmed with what to do next. What what would you do? Give us kind of a your motivational pep talk to that speaker. Well, I would say that I think if you want to pursue a speaking business, to me, it's probably one of the most rewarding things you could do. I mean, it's a privilege to get on stage and for people to give you 45 minutes or an hour of their time. Yeah. Listen, in fact, my daughter told me that. She said, I can't believe people pay you to talk for an hour, Dad. I would never pay you. To talk. I said, uh, honey, you probably couldn't afford me to pay you for an hour. So just be glad I'm willing to talk to you, right? But uh, anyway, so I would say that, number one, understand that it's a privilege. Yeah. And I think if you understand it's a privilege, then you will be willing to do whatever it takes to get on a stage, yeah. whether it's free, doing it for free and doing it for free a lot. To figure out, number one is, do I have the chops to do this? Yeah. Do I have the passion to do this? Because if you talk to any artist, because that's why I think we are. I think we're artists, honestly. Sure. If you talk to any artist, like I'm reading Bruce Springsteen's uh, autobiography, he said in there, I think this is so true. He says, I would do this for free because I love it so much. Yeah. So I would say that if you have a passion for this and you love it, just do whatever it takes, whatever phase of life you're in. And if all you can do is a couple of speaking gigs on the weekend because the phase of life you're in, then do that and then grow from there. And I would say that if you just take the steps necessary, like what you teach, I would definitely, whatever resource you throw out there, I would say, follow that resource and just take whatever next step that's appropriate for you at that time. But the bottom line is, is that as long as you have the passion and the love for it, the things will work out. That's what I found because I've pursued other things, Grant, because I feel like I'm an entrepreneur and I didn't have the passion for it. And as an entrepreneurial standpoint, it kind of forces that out and bubbles that up that maybe I'm just not really passionate for this. But if you are passionate for speaking and you love speaking and you're grateful for it, it's going to work out. I guarantee it. Just follow the steps that you talk about, Grant, and the phase of life you're in, and then you'll be fine. Awesome. Well, Eric, again, man, you are killing it. I'm incredibly proud of you. And I'm glad that we've been able to be some little part of that process and journey that you've been on. Hey, if people want to find out more about you and, and check out the updated website and demo video, and you got some sharp stuff there too. Where can we go? Uh, just go to ericream.com. Spell that for us so we get that right. Yeah, it's uh, E-R-I-C-K-R-H-E-A-M. Beautiful. Ericream.com. Make sure you check that out. Eric, thanks for the time, buddy. Appreciate you. Thanks, Grant. Appreciate you too, bud. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Eric Reem. Really, really great guy and really doing some great stuff. And uh, so really proud of Eric. And Eric, if you're listening to this, well done, man. Keep it up. Again, super proud of you. So again, if you'd like to learn more about Booked and Paid to Speak, or if you're just looking for the uh, next steps in your own speaking journey, again, you definitely want to check out freespeakerworkshop.com. Freespeakerworkshop.com. It's again, it's a free online live training that we do every week, teaching you all about how to find and book speaking engagement. So definitely check that out again over at freespeakerworkshop.com. All right, boys and girls, that wraps up today's episode. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.